hosted by your friends at the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, located in Unity, Maine. My name is Dave Colson, and I'm joined in the studio today by Joe Dupree and Ann Dudley. Anu Dudley, yes, I'll get it right. Um, and our topic today will be homesteading and a kind of an exciting event coming up. Um, so first, um, before we jump into that, a little bit of news from around the state. Um, a couple of things going on on the national stage these days. Uh, for one, the um, House and Senate are taking up the, or working hard on the farm bill right now, which uh, most of us don't really pay a whole lot of attention to, but there are a lot of really good pieces in there, and a number of them sponsored by our representative, Shelley Pingree, who's got a local foods and farms uh, kind of package that she has together. It's not actually a single bill, but it's about 25 different pieces that are um, a marker, as they say, within the farm bill, and hopefully a lot of those pieces will be included and move forward. So um, if you're one that likes to get a hold of your representatives, um, certainly within the House, you can uh, uh, call in and voice support for, uh, for Shelley's uh, pieces. Um, additionally, uh, for any of you that are following the uh, food and Drug Administration's uh, proposed rules for food safety, for produce food safety that are going on in the, in the national stage. Uh, Maine was left out of the FDA's listening sessions, and actually, as a matter of fact, the whole of New England was left out of those listening sessions, and um, a number of uh, senators and representatives uh, together put, uh, put a letter into the FDA asking that... Uh, they hold some listening sessions in New England, and uh, we're expecting maybe to get one, and they've actually um, pulled in with uh, um, uh, three different um, um, uh, uh, sessions, sorry, <laughs> on, uh, on those uh, um, uh, listening sessions, and it looks like we'll have uh, one that'll be happening here in Maine. Um, so uh, another interesting thing to uh, to keep your eyes out for. Um, so our topic today will be uh, uh, homesteading, and I have a couple of folks that not only uh, uh, do this uh, here in the, in the state of Maine, but are also involved in an interesting event um, coming up shortly. So, um, Joe, um, joined in the studio by Joe Dupree and Anu Dudley, and um, Joe, uh, just kind of a interesting. Uh, what what would you characterize as the difference between, say, homesteading and uh, gardening? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there there have been whole books written about homesteading, none of which seem to agree with each other. But uh, certainly gardening, I think, is part of homesteading. But I think beyond that, homesteading just includes trying to do more of what you need to do, produce more of what you need uh, by yourself. I mean, there's this mythos, I guess, of self-reliance that comes with homesteading, and it's 
It's not quite possible to be completely self-reliant. I don't think you need people, you need community around you. You certainly need, you know, resources that you can draw from. But, um, you know, instead of going out and, and buying fencing, you know, can you look at your junk pile or your neighbor's junk pile or those down trees in the woodlot and figure out how to make a fence yourself? So I think there's some of that in homesteading is the ways to try to figure out how to do what you need to do by yourself with resources that you have available to you without necessarily tapping into the consumer production model. And I'd like to add something to that too if I could. Um, uh, I think that the difference between gardening and homesteading is that w when you're talking about gardening, you're talking about a plot of dirt that you are working with in order to produce food. But homesteading is a much more uh, all-inclusive um, pursuit where you're, you're looking at not only producing your food, but probably trying to produce most of your food. And also, what about the fuel that you need to heat your house? And what about the power uh, that you need to, um, to light your house at, at night? Um, you know, what about land management around your place? In other words, we're really looking at the entire package of the land and the dwelling and the needs of the people that live on it. Um, it's not just food production. So homesteading includes all of that. That's great. That's that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. So um, kind of incorporate, I, I think a lot of times when organic farming is talked about, we often talk about it as a lifestyle, but maybe that's even more so with uh, with a homestead. I think that's a, a good word to describe homesteading is it's a definite lifestyle. Um, you, you work, it's a way of building community, um, not only with your dirt and with your livestock and with your plants, but also with the people around you uh, and also with the, with the land itself, with the, you know, the wind and the sun and the water all, all around you. It's an entire community lifestyle. Great. My, my wife actually, I think she coined the term, so I'm going to attribute it to her, my wife Kyle. Um, she calls it a foodstead. So it's, you know, certainly the home and the house and all the other buildings are a part of it, but it's everything that we do to try to manage the food that we're producing for ourselves. Interesting. You're listening to WERU Radio in Blue Hill, and uh, we're talking today about uh, homesteading, and I have a couple of guests in the studio with me. Um, so, Joe, uh, the other question, I guess, is is uh, what 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 kind of history do we have of homesteading in the in the state of Maine? The great state of Maine. You can blame it all on Scott Nearing, I think. Um, or actually, it goes back several hundred years of homesteading in Maine. Uh, most recently, I think it's the back to the land movement from the seventies. A lot of people moved into Maine. You know, I came here uh, not as a back-to-the-lander. Uh, I got into this kind of late, but it was just, I think, a lot of people that were interested in living a different kind of life than, than what they had been expected to live. And uh, I think that, that self-reliance thing was a big part of it, um, or at least the, the idea that you could be self-reliant. So many of us uh, coming out of the 60s and the anti-war movement <clears throat> and this 
whole social change that was going on um, as we were growing up, uh, the baby boomers from, you know, the parents of World War II, I mean, and, and really looking at the culture and saying, this, this society is really not meeting our needs. Uh, I think we need to, I mean, and this is a kind of historical movement that happens over and over again. People feel that they need to get back to the basics, and the basics is, is the land. And so, so many people moved out of cities, and a lot of them came to Maine, um, and a lot of them came to Waldo County. So there's a, a good homesteading history right here in Waldo County, which is probably one of the reasons that Mofka, um, you know, began, uh, not just Waldo County, but Central Maine, why Mofka began in this particular part of the state. Yes, very interesting. So do you think uh, that movement is continuing to grow today, or um, uh, how do you kind of see um, the homesteading kind of back to the land movement at, at this point in time? I, it's definitely beginning to, it is growing. Um, well, my son now has, has his own little homestead next to mine. Uh, you know, young people are looking around and saying, you know, this, uh, we still haven't um, uh, met the needs of human beings and met the needs of the earth. There are more and more needs that need to be met, and they're met by getting closer to the land uh, and learning about our community with nature as well as with people. And how do we do that? Well, one of the ways we do it is through homesteading. Uh, and so, you know, we, we just see more and more young people coming and, uh, and trying to be part of this and getting their piece of the land and seeing where their place is in community. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would say where I uh, live, which is further south in Maine, but we, we've always been conflicted in our mind as to whether we're a farm or whether we're a homestead. And I think uh, there's a component to a lot of farming in Maine that... Um, has to do with self-reliance and supplying more of your own food and, and whatnot. Um, I think the other piece that, for me, that I see as a farmer is that uh, there's a lot of things that we grow on our farm or, or do on our farm that really could be done by more people at home um, to supply their own food needs. And uh, in some ways, um, if more of that was done um, at home uh, on a homestead kind of basis, then uh, perhaps that would allow farms of a larger scale to supply more of the things that are difficult to do uh, on the farms or the homestead kind of scale. Oh. I think. Go ahead, I, Joe. I, well, I think there was a, um, you know, historically when you look back, a lot of farms produced for themselves until they got to a point where they could produce surplus. And then that surplus they would sell to friends or neighbors or to markets maybe a little further away. And when you had hundreds of those small farms producing the surplus, you were able to serve a greater area or a greater non-farming population. Um, and so, you know, I think some of what we're seeing is it's not quite a, a reversal, but kind of getting back to that idea that many, many, many hundreds of small farms are better than two or three big farms. And, you know, it's the surplus out of those hundreds and hundreds of small farms or small homesteads that, you know, in, in the aggregate make, make that difference and make a, a local agricultural community possible again. Yeah, good point. Um, so... I'm wondering what, what kind of, I mean, we've talked a little bit about gardening, and uh, uh, Anu mentioned um, 
energy and, and fuel and whatnot, but what other kinds of activities would you think about? I, I, I know one piece that I often think about with homesteading is um, what a lot of people term kind of a cottage industry, and how might that fit into the, um, to the homestead situation? Uh, and by cottage industry, you're talking about um, s uh, small-scale production that can be sold locally right. uh, to add extra income. Right. I'm thinking um, gardening, maybe, as Joe was just saying, uh, growing enough till now you have it, more to sell, but maybe there are other uh, kind of ways that people um, manage to uh, get income uh, as well. Sure. Well, um, making... Um, Herbal medicines, and selling those, um, making uh, having a flock of sheep or, um, or some sort of fiber animals, uh, and either selling the fiber itself or making it into a value-added product. I mean, those are those are all um, you know cottage industry types of things that lots of people um, uh, engage in. Um, uh, uh, carpentry, um, well. Uh, cutting wood off your land and selling it uh, to specialty folks, like cutting poplar for people who want to build greenhouses, for example. You've got a poplar stand, so you can cut that, or selling pulp. I mean, there's, uh, or cutting uh, fir boughs and, and making wreaths for the yeah. Christmas trade. There's uh, a gentleman at uh, Cooperative Extension who does a lot of work on helping people figure out non-timber ways to use their woodlots, and it can be things like tipping this, the spruce trees for wreaths, but also things like if you have uh, a birch tree that comes down, peel the paper bark off of it, and there, there are craftspeople all over the country that want to buy small pieces of birch bark, you know, and then just things like that. Uh, uh, not twig, but, you know, stick furniture and things like that. So there's lots of creative ways you can use a woodlot that don't involve necessarily cutting it all down and, and shipping it off. Um, but, uh, you know, other things like, uh, you know, uh, Anu mentioned livestock, but, you know, small dairies where you might, like in our case, we have a small flock of or a small herd of uh, dairy goats. And so we, we don't actually sell any of the milk because you can't do that. But um, we produce enough for ourselves. We make some cheese. You know, we could branch out into soaps, which we're looking into, those kinds of products. Um, there, there's a lot of ways, and, and probably it's not so much one cottage industry to, to create an income stream, but diverse ones. So you might, you know, you might bring 500 here, 1,000 there, 200 there, and, you know, you get enough of those different kinds of things, you can bring in a respectable amount of money and still be at home working. Right. Interesting. Um, this is uh, Common Ground Radio you're listening to today on WERU Radio, 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. We're talking about homesteading today, and I have uh, guests Anu Dudley and Joe Dupree here in the studio with me. Um, so it, this sounds like a lot of different types of um, practices and, and uh, uh, tools and uh, techniques and things. Um, so how, how would someone go about learning these, uh, the, uh, these different aspects of, of homesteading? Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> um, 
There is an event coming up at Mafka on June 15th called Farm and Homestead Day. It's a, a resurrection of the old small farm field day that people might remember from years back. Uh, last year we we held the first one. We had a respectable 300 people or so that showed up for a variety of classes that we held. Um, the idea behind this event is this is a volunteer-driven event, so the whole planning staff and everybody that's involved in putting on the event are volunteers. All of the presenters that are coming in are volunteers, and these are people that we've invited to come in and share skills that they know how to do. Um, and our idea is to, to present these, these workshops or these sessions in as many different subjects as we could and have them be as hands-on as possible. So for example, we've got one of our draft horse farmers is coming in with his horses and he's going to show people how to harness a horse but actually allow them to harness the horse themselves instead of just standing there and watching him do it several times. Um, a number of those kinds of events. Uh, Anu can talk about um, some of the fiber events that we're having and some of the herbal events. We, uh, there is a whole track uh, called So You Want to Buy a Farm Animal so that anyone who wants to know about um, goats, um, rabbits, chickens, uh, how to tell whether or not um, it's, a, it's an animal which is going to be uh, useful for you, um, whether or not you should buy it. And then also questions about how to <clears throat> raise them and take care of them. Um, this, is, this is how we learn these things, is by uh, talking to people who are already doing it and then putting our hands on the, uh, on the animals or the objects in order to learn how to, how to do them. Um, there'll be uh, orcharding, um, managing fruit trees is <clears throat> another whole track. Uh, and uh, there's a, a forestry track. You want to learn how to manage your woodlot? Um, don't just read a book about it, but come on over to the woodlot and see how it's done and ask your questions. Um, there's, oh, there's a mowing workshop. You want to know how to mow with scythes? Uh, you can come at 7 o'clock in the morning and, and pick up a scythe and learn how to do that. Uh, much more effective to talk to somebody who's been doing it for a long time. See, I've read a, a number of books about the Back to the Landers um, from the 70s. Uh, and one thing that they have that we don't have right now is they had uh, a lot of the older farmers who were still alive who uh, could teach them. I mean, a lot of these old farmers took these folks under their wings and said, uh, oh, well, you know, the way you're going about that's okay, but maybe you should try this. And we don't have that so much now because that generation has passed. And we do still have some of these folks who came back to the land, learned a lot of this stuff, and are now still around. And, you know, some of those are the folks that we're asking to come back and share some of your skills. Some of them are people who, by trial and error, have figured out, well, this is how I do this. You know, we're not, we're not presenting any of these as this is the way to do something. We've asked people to come in and show us how I do this, how I worked out this issue, or how, you know, uh, how I milk my goat, and that might be different than how somebody else milks their goat. And so it's really, the idea is it's hands-on, it's people who have, whatever way they've gained the experience, they're sharing that experience with people who want to know how to do something. Great. Yeah, so that kind of um, pulls up a question in my mind, and, and Anu kind of referred to this a little bit in, in talking about the scything uh, demonstration or, or trial. 
and uh, that would be, um, I guess my perception is in homesteading, there's more of an interest in how things can be done by hand, not necessarily um, with power, um, not to say that there's a strict um, one way or another, but it seems like a number of these um, uh, learning opportunities are around how things can be done maybe with uh, a, a, a more appropriate technology? Well, it, it costs less money to do it that way. You know, who can afford to buy a $15,000 tractor uh, to, mow, to mow your field, for example? I mean, if you can afford it, okay, but then you've got to also pay for the gas and, and so on. And, um, and you ought to worry about whether or not it's ecologically sound to be using this, farm, this equipment. Whereas with a scythe, it's you and your body and the, the, uh, the tool, you know, and the, and the hay. So uh, exercise and satisfaction all in one. It's calorie powered, <laughs> right? And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think that any of these ways that we're that we're teaching people, there are, you know, these are the solutions of people who don't have a lot of money and are having to learn by the seat of their pants, uh, and and you know just can't go out and and buy all of this new equipment that they find in catalogs. You know, it's the it's a more sensible solution for people who have budgets the way most you know the kinds of budgets that most of us have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was just thinking about all of this. You know, when when my wife and I are probably not unique. There, there. This is to kind of get back to something you had uh, talked about earlier about whether homesteading and the back to the land thing is is growing and all this mm. there seemed to be a number of people like my wife and I who were in our 50s and decided we're going to go back to the land and uh, so we're looking at you know we we wanted to change our lifestyle and get back to the land and get in tune with nature and all of this but we didn't have bodies that were in condition to do this kind <laughs> of thing and so um you know, we, we, we want to try to do things uh, with appropriate tech, low tech, and all of that sort of stuff, but you kind of have to get back in shape to do that. And there are a couple of classes here in, in Farm and Homestead Day that are about things like appropriate ways to use your body as you're aging so that you can keep doing this for a while. So um, I, I just, you know, we, we are kind of, in some respects, Looking at that younger audience that wants to get into farming, wants to get into homesteading, and is learning how to, or wants to learn how to, to get the skills they need to do that, but there are also other people that are making these kinds of changes at all different ages. And, you know, when you've come out of basically an urban or suburban lifestyle, and then you try to get into this, talk about a learning curve, you know. Even something as simple as, you know, how do I unroll a, 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 a roll of fencing and get the thing to stand up when I, <laughs> you know, this is stuff you can't, you can't read in the books. And I'm not saying we're going to teach you how to do woven wire fencing at this event, <laughs> although we are doing a lot of other kinds of fencing. We've, we've got, uh, we're going to be doing a stump fence. We're going to be doing a jack and rider fence, brush fences, a couple of different kinds of uh, rail fences. So, and again, low-tech stuff you can find in your woodlot or on the side of the road. Um, as we were driving down here, some of the road crews or the, the tree, you know, the power companies were doing a lot of clearing and had all this brush on the side of the road. And at our place, you know, I, I put up some fencing and then we ran out 
and I had about a 12-foot gap between these two <laughs> ends of fencing, and we just started piling brush up there without knowing that that's an old technique, brush fences. So come on, come on to Farm and Hempstead Day and learn how so, to build uh, some fences. So uh, one person's waste becomes another person's uh, gold mine. Uh. That's right. <laughs> well, and I think at homesteading, I, I think it might be fair to say that there is no waste, that everything finds a use. There is a use for everything. Right. There's, there's a reason there were junk piles around all these old farms. You know, waste not, want not, make it, how, how did that go? Wear it out, use it up, make it do or do without. <laughs> so it was less of a waste pile and more of a... Uh, yeah. A future resource pile. <laughs> right. There you mm-hmm. go. And, and speaking of future resources, I, I think that, it, that we need to consider, you know, the next generation. And how do we encourage the next generation to, um, to be inspired by this and to give them opportunities for... Um, uh, to do their own homesteading. And so we have uh, several opportunities at Farm and Homestead Day uh, just to, to encourage that. Um, we have uh, our lunchtime panel. We'll be um, talking about um, uh, uh, elder uh, homesteaders um, helping landless farmers. In other words, you know, you don't have any land. Come and join us and help us because we're getting old and creaky, and let's find ways to make that possible so that we can really give over to the next generation. You know, as, as Joe was saying, he's not sure that his kids want to come and use his homestead, but maybe there are other people. So, you know, we want to address that issue here too. Um, we have a, uh, a – and then there's a talk later on in the afternoon that will uh, talk about – you know, encouraging how were other ways to actually encourage kids to stay on the land instead of moving to the big city. Interesting, yeah. Um, so I, I, um, I'd like to uh, uh, talk a little bit more about homesteading itself, and uh, we'll open the phone lines in another five minutes or so if you'd like to call in. Um, we're here at WERU Radio 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. Um, this is Common Ground Radio, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, and I'm joined in the studio today by Anu Dudley and Joe Dupree, and we're talking about homesteading. And uh, it's hard to um, spend a lot of time on this topic without kind of mentioning this event going on in, in Unity. Joe, maybe you want to say when exactly that is? Uh, sure. Saturday, uh, June 15th, Farm and Homestead Day at Mafka. The day starts at 7 in the morning with uh, the scything uh, demos uh, in our amphitheater there. Um, I just might mention with the scything that we're not stopping at cutting the grass down. Uh, during the day, we're also going to do things, the, the old raking, tedding the grass, and uh, uh, we've got a session later on on taking that hay and building a hayrick. And, uh, so it's not just cut it down and then what do you do with it? We want to follow through on that and show people what they can do with the hay. The, the day itself starts at 9. Um, it's a rain or shine event, so dress appropriately. Um, it, is, uh, it is a brown bag lunch event, so bring your own lunch. Bring something to share if you feel up to it. And um, is there a cost for this? I'm afraid to say it's uh, completely free. <laughs> um, in, in keeping with the way a lot of us got our knowledge, people freely sharing with us, we want to freely share that knowledge with other people who need how to do it. We feel like there's there's a hunger out there for, for learning these kinds of skills, and we want to make, uh, make that available to folks. Great. So are there um, other 
topics perhaps that uh, are, are there are there any animal related uh, um, topics at the at this um? yeah actually we have uh, we we've divided these things up into what we call tracks of, of similar types of sessions so there's a, a woodlot track the mowing track uh, there's the fiber arts um, we have a low-tech track we're gonna have a, a class on doing a solar solar hot water collector, building a rocket stove. Uh, you asked about the animals. We do have a track on, uh, Anu mentioned it earlier, about so you want to buy a fill-in-the-blank. And mm. so the fill-in-the-blanks uh, this year, we, we have a couple of people bringing dairy goats. So what do you want to look for when you're buying a dairy goat, uh, along with how to take care of one, how to milk one, we have one uh, presenter who's going to be taking goats on a forage walk. Uh, you know, you don't you don't put your goats in a barn and just shove hay down their throats. They like to forage, and so she's going to take her goats and have people come along with her and show them how to walk through the woods with your goats. It's we do that at home. It's actually a lot of fun sometimes. <laughs> um, we've got uh, people with angora rabbits, uh, cashmere goats, I believe someone is bringing. Uh, folks across the road from Moscow bringing an alpaca over. Uh, we've, I mentioned earlier the, the uh, draft horse track, so we're going to have a uh, presenter talking about um, the, uh, what to look for in a draft horse, how to harness a draft horse, and a little bit later driving a draft horse. And, We've also, uh, we're working with Extension. Uh, Cooperative Extension is going to be uh, doing a, a session on FAMACHA, which is a way of, uh, it's an acronym that stands for something which I don't know right now, but it's, it's a way of assessing your goats and your sheep for parasite loads by looking at their eyelids and their lips. Oh, sign up today. I'm, I'm <laughs> for that particular. For that, partic <laughs> that particular workshop, you need to sign up through uh, extension. So you can go to the UMaine Cooperative Extension site and follow their links to signing up for the FAMACHA workshop. Um, and we've got uh, a track called Children of All Ages, uh, which will engage, I mean, you bring your kids because there'll be things for them to do as well. Uh, and we've got an entire herb track um, of talks about how to use herbs throughout the day, um, making, making, um, uh, medicine out of plants, herbal first aid, or some of, are some of the talks that will be um, presented in that particular track. Uh, so it's not it's oh and and we're going to have a whole treadle sewing machine track where people are going to be able to learn how to use the old foot powered treadle without electricity, how to sew on those things, and then we'll be actually making um, some things, uh, some simple things with those treadle machines. Interesting. Um, so this is. Uh, Common Ground Radio with your host, Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, this morning on WERU. And uh, we'd like to open a phone line um, if you'd like to call in and, and join in on the conversation about homesteading and, uh, and its history and, and activities here in Maine. Um, the number here in the studio is 469-0500. And I'm joined today by Anu Dudley and Joe Dupree, um, and myself, uh, Dave Colson from the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. So, Joe, I'm I'm curious. You mentioned it, and I just have to ask, what is a rocket stove? 
I don't know, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to that class. Actually, it, I, I do know. They're, they're, they're very small stoves that you make out of, like, tin cans and mud, and they're very efficient for cooking. And um, you just feed twigs into it, and the shape of the stove and the draft that's created by your chimney basically uh, creates a lot of heat in a short period of time, uses a lot less fuel, and you can cook, cook a meal on one of these things. So that'll be interesting, I think. I'm looking forward to that one. So I, I think we have a caller. Could you uh, state your name and where you're calling from? Um, this is Speedy in Camden, and uh, I, I have a challenge. I don't want to throw a wet blanket, so carry on because it's great what you're doing. Um, I think we're in a trap in this state, and the homesteading is part of it, which is um, the distances that we all drive and, and talking about um, fossil fuel emission, greenhouse gases, um, all the energy stuff going on just doesn't even talk about transportation. I mean, there are people addressing it. But as homesteaders, um, how do you think about reducing that transportation footprint? Everybody does this. It's not homesteaders. It's, you know, the whole thing. But if you live, with, like, with a family and you get kids, they have to be driven or, or maybe they don't. And how do people adapt? How do people address that? when they're living rurally or, or even just commuting because they want to be out country. But I just wonder how homesteaders think about that. Um, I, for that reason, back in the 70s, we tried to homestead in town, and it's not that bad, actually. <laughs> you know, it's possible in Maine. And I think about cities, too, and how they don't have a big transportation footprint, but... A lot can be done in cities, so I, I think people are learning from homesteaders how to do it with less transportation, and I wondered how homesteaders think about it, especially when they have kids. Well, Excellent. Th thank you for the call, Beattie. Yeah. Uh, this is Anu, and uh, um, I'd just like to say that part of homesteading, as I said before, is community building, and part of the, our community is our transportation needs. And so we're, we need to look at cooperative ways to provide the transportation that we need because, you know, we, we do have to get off the farm sometimes. So, I mean, we may not have good solutions right now, but that's really, I think, one of the long-term goals of homesteading is to learn how to do this in community. Um, one of my neighbors, uh, part of the Amish community, um, goes everywhere by horse cart, and he's encouraging us to get a cart and horse. Um, sounds like a pretty good idea, actually, for getting around in our, our local community. Interesting. We, we have, uh, Anu and I were talking about this on, on the way over here, and uh, we talk about c community of like-minded people. And for us, I mean, I live probably eight or nine miles from Anu. We're like-minded people in a like-minded community, but that's not close enough. So I have my immediate neighbors, and that's my community that I have to work with. And some of the things that we've tried to do with our neighbors is, before I head into town, call around to see who's home and do you need anything when I'm going to town? Or encourage them to call us if they're going to town. So we do a lot of that kind of cooperative thing. The other kind of things that you can think about doing is not running to town every time you need something, but try to save them up and make... Uh, fewer trips and try to do more things on each trip. 
or uh, utilize that uh, resource pile that you have. Or utilize, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Joe, I, I think we have another caller. Oh, um, okay. Do you want to state your name and where you're calling from? Hi. I'm on? Yes. Uh, this is Bill Turner. I'm from Spruce Hill Farm down in Stonington. Hi, and Bill. And we've been homesteading for 25 years. Uh, we raise dairy goats, have lots of gardens, and uh, I have a sawmill. I'm a cabinet maker as well. Um, I really applaud what Mafka does. We're Mafka members for oh, as long as we've been in Maine, 30 years. My, what we do is we basically, and I would, I'm calling to encourage people to um, sign up to help a farmer. Um, we're always shorthanded. Uh, I have two daughters who are on the farm who basically run the goat side of it, and my wife does the cheese and uh, dairy. Um, I'm the maintenance guy. But <laughs> there's always work. You know, we're never caught up. We're never, we never have enough uh, person power to keep up with the weeds and all the chores. Um, we have a farm stand on the farm, and people come. We get a lot of summer people, and... Um, there's been a renewed interest, uh, we find. And the last couple of years, uh, people have expressed interest, young people, in coming to the farm and um, basically apprenticing. And we're trying to make uh, accommodations for that. And for the, so for the last two summers, we've had an apprentice. We've got two coming this year. And they're people who just came to the farm, saw it, were interested, wanted to learn. And, you know, we said, sure. Uh, so I, I would encourage you to, you know, encourage others, uh, especially young people, if you if you know of a farm nearby and they're doing things that of interest to you, uh, propose that you come in and work with them. Uh, generally speaking, we farmers can always use the help. And, um, I, you know, I think what Mavka's doing is really great. I, I really applaud it. I think it's uh, uh, necessary. But it's hard for us to get out to central Maine um, to participate in these workshops. But we can participate by opening our farm to um, people and passing on our knowledge. I've probably built 100 gates <laughs> for our various fencing needs over the last 20 years. And I've got it down. <laughs> and I'd love to pass that on. It's a... You know, it's uh, an important skill. It's an important skill. Uh, you got to have gates if you're going to have animals, and you you got and um, so anyway, that, I'll get off now. I I just basically would encourage people to to volunteer to help out on on a local farm. I, I, there, there are so many opportunities, and there's so much need, and uh, there's a thirst for the knowledge, and it, you know, it, it's a way of kind of getting people excited about it. The the two people coming this summer are really interested in learning about uh, goat farming. And uh, so they come, and, and my daughters and my wife take it very seriously. They're part of teachers, and they, you know, they make sure they pass on as much information as they can. We're not just using people as you know, free labor. We're, we're trying to keep this thing going, get, get the small farms back and part of the communities again. That, that's so important, and it seems like we've come so close to, to losing that that... Uh, I'm I'm actually encouraged. That it seems like it's picking up again, and the, you know there's, there's a new interest. So I'm all for it. And right on, Mavka. 
Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you for your call, and, sure. and I applaud your work. Uh, I'd just like to echo something that he said um, about volunteering on local farms. I actually did that. We had a local goat uh, dairy, and I was I was still working at the time and wasn't able to go do a summer with them or, or a lot of time, but I arranged to take an afternoon off in the week and I would go work with them one day a week. I'd go over there about two in the afternoon and stay till eight at night learning how to take care of goats, how to milk and how to do all that sort of stuff. So it was it was something that worked out with the farmer and with me. It may not work for everybody everywhere, but I think what helped them was the fact that I was able to be consistent and say that every Tuesday I'm going to be there. Right. And that might be something similar to what he's suggesting, but if you can't make a full-time commitment to it, make a consistent part-time commitment to it, and you can learn a lot that way. Yeah, good, very good point. Um, this is Common Ground Radio, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association on WERU, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. And uh, we're talking about homesteading today. I'm Dave Colson from Mafka, and I'm joined in the studio today by Anu Dudley and Joe Dupree. Um, we have a phone line open if you'd like to join the conversation, 469-0500. So uh, there's another aspect to this, and, and Bill touched on it, is, is this idea of family as well. Um, I know on our uh, farm, um, when our kids were young, they they enjoyed kind of playing around uh, what we were doing. And as they grow grew up, as as many kind of uh, uh, middle school, I guess at the age would have been, they they kind of lost interest in, in what we were doing. But then uh, now they've kind of circled back to that interest and and uh, really. Um, recognize now that they've gone out into the world that a lot of their friends don't have these skills. I think that was the story of my of my son who's now uh, homesteading next to us that he went off to the wild in fact he went around the world to other places and finally came back home and now he's doing the most extraordinary adventurous things that that uh, that we didn't do and it's just fun to see him experimenting and getting excited. That's great yeah we like we like to see hear those kind of stories. Uh, I think we have another caller. Um, would you state your name and where you're calling from? Um, this is Rhonda, and I'm calling from Lubeck. Hi, Rhonda. Hi. Um, I'm part of Farm and Homestead Days, too. I'll let you know that. I invite anybody to come. It's going to be fun and amazing. Um, but I did have a question for Joe and Anu, um, and what it was is about what was the most joyful thing they found about homesteading? The most joyful thing? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Thank you for, for uh, posing that. Rhonda, that's such a good question. Uh, I think I'll just give a brief answer, and that is that I feel that with the homesteading that we do, uh, that I feel this intense connection to the land, to the landscape. And I, to me, that's the, 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 uh, the most fundamental joy that I can experience. Good answer. Joe? Well, for me, it's a, it's a little bit different, but it's... It, I'm not sure if joy is the word, but certainly appreciation for the fact that there's a cycle in the year. And 
I was astounded to notice one day that the moon actually rises an hour later every night. And then some, <laughs> you get to a certain point in the month and it's actually rising in the middle of the day. And that was something when I had my office job at the university for 20 some years that I had no clue. You know, I had gone through my whole life just thinking, well, the sun goes down, the moon comes up, and it doesn't quite work that way. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would say uh, with, with any kind of work, it's often uh, um, easy to be so into the, uh, the work or, or sometimes the difficulties of what you're doing. And I think one of the things we always try and remind ourselves up at home is to look up and look around. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that, that I find intriguing about uh, the, the homestead is that it's not a monoculture of, of one crop as far as the eye can see. The, the, every homestead I've gone to is unique and the kinds of things being done and the buildings that are there and the activities going on, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to see um, each of those. You know, I wanted to also add that one thing that brings me joy every year is th when when the the hens hatch out their chicks, and I can uh, no matter how many years I see that happen, it's always such an extraordinary joy to see those little balls of fluff run peeping around their mother and and going in and out underneath her feathers. It, uh, that that uh, reminder that uh, that there's this cycle that happens every year, and it's so much fun to watch. I, I was thinking as Anu started to share that when she came to pick me up at my place this morning and she said, did you know that there's a piglet loose? And I said, oh yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we have a breeding pair of, of American guinea hogs and uh, we had piglets all over the place. And no matter how hard you tried to pen them in, they find ways out. <laughs> so that and, and watching the 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 baby goats, the kids every year, especially the young ones that are about a week or two old, they're just bouncing all around the, 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 the paddocks and the pastures and they just fling themselves in the air and they're just, oh, look what my body can do and they're <laughs> bouncing straight up. And yeah, every now and again, you know, I, I lift my head up from the latest construction project or the latest weeding project and I say, wow, I'm lucky. <laughs> I'm lucky. I work for Mafka, and I have this place. <laughs> That's great. So we're uh, talking about homesteading today with the uh, Common Ground Radio, hosted by Mafka here at WERU, and uh, I'm joined today by Anu Dudley and Joe Dupree. My name is Dave Colson, and uh, we're we're talking about homesteading, but we're also talking somewhat about a. Uh, a Farm and Homestead Day happening June 15th at the site, Mafka's site in Unity. That's a free event and um, open to everyone. And uh, a lot of different uh, um, pieces or, or uh, workshops going on in, in, in the event. And um, are there any others that uh, you guys would like to mention particularly? Well, we have... Uh a felting workshop going on. We have someone who's going to uh, show us how to make big sheets of felt for a yurt she's building. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, there'll be people there with with uh, spinning wheels showing how to do spinning and, and uh, different kinds of, I think someone's coming with a drop spindle. 
and regular spinning wheels and uh, doing knoll binding, which is a kind of single kneading, single needi- needle knitting <laughs> technique. Now say that five times. <laughs> single needle, that's interesting. Yeah. We, we also have someone who's going to show us how to make, um, uh, to split shakes, to make cedar shakes. Oh, wow. Uh, for the for the when you're siding your house, and also um, how to build a garden cart. You know those those expensive carts with the two wheels. And, well, you can make them yourself. Uh, so we're going to have somebody show you how to do that. Of you know the parts that are lying around the yard. Oh, and also if you're there at the right time, we're going to be doing churning ice cream, the old-fashioned way. Now that sounds like a good reason to be. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, there's there's another course. You know, raised beds are something that a lot of people do in their gardens. But if you're in a wheelchair, how do you do that? And so we have someone who's going to be showing how to build raised beds for people in wheelchairs. Great. And, uh, yeah. Also, how to make um, pots, uh, how to make uh, paper pots for starting seedlings, um, how to uh, make your own soil mix um, so that you don't have to go to the store and buy those expensive mixes. Mm-hmm. That's great. So again, kind of this uh, utilizing what you have around you rather than uh, um, kind of joining into the consumer society and buying everything that you need. You know, that, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that, I think that's an important underlying um, idea of Farm and Homestead Day is that we need to get away from uh, our consumer mentality that, that we have in our culture uh, and to see what we have lying around and what we can use that we already have. Great, yep. Yeah, the, um, the amount of waste <laughs> sometimes that... Uh, uh, are, are generated on, on at home um, is kind of overwhelming at times. It's been sort of interesting. It's probably not this way for a lot of people, but um, I, I've been known to be a real tidy person, and I'm having to learn to be a pack rat and to not just toss stuff anymore because it doesn't really go away. Right. Um, but I, f- I have found myself tossing stuff and then realizing I needed it. Uh I think we have another caller. Um, would you state your name and where you're calling from? Yes, Catherine from Appleton. Hi, I Catherine. am so excited about the homesteading day on June 15th. I just can't wait. I'm going to try to bring as many like-minded souls as I can. But I also wanted to make an announcement, um, if I may, that I think is relative to what you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just got an email. Well, I live in Appleton in Hope, so... Hope is my next-door neighbor, and, and this is Knox. And it says, on June 19th, um, from 4.30 to 6 p.m., with the potluck following, the open space at the Hope Spinnery. The June group will be an open circle for sharing, a chance to vision what we might like the future gatherings to include. Do you lose sleep over the state of the world? Does it trouble you that our ecology is crashing? And the establishment's answer is Monsanto. Would you like to explore his way to face the mess we're in without going crazy? Find a community that shares your fears and hopes here. Please come with your thoughts and ideas. We expect you will find support and grounding, as well as an opportunity to participate in the vital discussion. So I think that's wonderful, because it is all about community. It's all about not accepting the federal mandate wage scale, you know, figuring out our own money, figuring out ways to barter and to make our world that we choose to see as reality work. And 
I just loved loved Mosca, and I love this program. So anyway, carry on. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> Bye. So we're uh, talking about homesteading today. Um, I'm Dave Colson from the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, and this is Common Ground Radio. Um, any last thoughts, Joe? Uh, Farm and Homestead Day, June 15th. It's a Saturday. It's free. Bring your friends. Bring your neighbors. Uh, come learn a lot. Um, support Mothka. <laughs> the other thing is that, you know, this is, this is an event which is meant to serve the homesteading community. And so we want to hear from people about, uh, you know, what more they want to see going on at Farm and Homestead Day. And we also want to hear from people um, in terms of what they could offer. You know, do they have something they want to teach and provide? You know, so this is, I mean, we're just getting started here. And, uh, and you know, we, we, want to, we want to fill a need, so we want to know what those needs are. So we need to hear from the community. Great. Yeah, I, I have to say one of my favorite things to do when I'm not working is uh, in visiting other farms or friends is to go into some of the old barns and, and look at the old tools that are in there. And uh, sometimes we play the game of can we figure out what they actually <laughs> all are? And uh, I, I know uh, one of the other folks that works at Mofka's uh, family has a, a big old barn and on, on uh, a lake and uh, they have a whole lot of uh, ice cutting tools in the <laughs> barn and that was really interesting to, to take a look at some of those. Are there are there tools and things of that type? Uh, I know we've talked about a a, a number uh, that are like scythes and and drop spindles and uh, uh, a number of other things. But it sounds like part of uh, this event is introducing people to tech tools and techniques. That is a gap that we would love to fill in the future. Um, there are certainly a lot of hand tools that can uh, be used, and, you know, we struggled with that. But we, we would love to have somebody out there who's listening volunteer for next year's Farm and Homestead Day to do a track or classes on how to use hand tools uh, or, or non-powered tools appropriately, how to take care of them, how to make handles for them when they break, that kind of thing. Um, so there's nothing this year other than the scything, but we would love to be able to offer that. And in addition to that, we were hoping to find someone who could do a class on sharpening tools. We haven't been able to find anybody yet who could do that, but once you've got the tool, you've got to keep it sharp. So yes, we need help with that, point. too. Yep. Great. And I imagine the, uh, the, the handmade shakes person uh, must have some unique tools. Uh, there's one in particular. I think. The fro. The fro, yes. Yes. Which is kind of like throwing a, a mallet, a giant um, upside uh, down backwards meat cleaver. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very interesting tool. Well, thank you both for for um, your participation today. Uh, I just want to mention a few things going on um, around the uh, the state. Um, we we have weekly uh, farm training projects uh, through Mafka. These are again are free events, open to the public. Um, if you get onto the Mafka website, you can find information as to where those are happening. There are different farms and, uh, in some cases, homesteads, um, opening their, um, their places up to, um, for people to see uh, what they're doing and various techniques. Um, over in Vermont, on the 
uh, 5 to 7th, there's a slow living summit. And I think this is pretty tied into the homestead ideal. Um, and that's followed by a strolling of the heifers. I guess that's kind of a, uh, instead of running with the bulls, where they're going to stroll with the heifers. It sounds more uh, reasonable to me. Um, and here at WERU on the 6th is a Farm Fresh live radio auction. Which we, um, it's not happening? <laughs> it is happening. <laughs> oh. Um, so let's see, the uh, uh, additional. The 6th was yesterday. Oh, the sixth was. Thank you. <laughs> Can tell where I am with my uh, with my calendar these days. So that that did happen, um, and uh, our uh, Common Ground Radio show is um, each uh, each first Friday of the month. And uh, thank you for joining us today. I had um, Joe and Anu in the in the um, studio, and thanks to the engineer and uh, and all the folks here at WERU.